with us here today. We're thankful that you're allowing us to come into your home so we can continue to uh, strengthen and build and encourage one another. We have a great day today planned for you, so we're glad you're up and joining us today. It's good to have our worship team back with us, excited to have, uh, praise God, uh, the whole team together. And so we've just been enjoying our fellowship this morning and uh, thankful for what the Lord's doing. And uh, we'll be sending out an email. We are planning a, uh, just to give you a heads up right now, we're planning on uh, having a Mother's Day service here at the church next week. So if you're part of our church family, we have your email address. You'll get the email information this week on all of that. And uh, so good stuff. And then on next Monday, May 11th, we're going to reopen the Lord's Gym because it is time. Praise the Lord. So this morning, we're just believing God for a great thing. Got a great uh, a continuation on the message. We'll be talking about the second coming of the Lord this morning. So we want to welcome you to join us in worship and prayer and uh, enter in with us this morning. Father, we thank you today for your goodness and your grace. Thank you, Lord, that your hand has been with us and upon us, leading, guiding, and directing us through this season. We thank you, Lord, that we have stood on the promise. This is an in-between place, and we're believing that this too shall pass. So we thank you. We're coming out on the other side stronger, more excited, more encouraged by all that you desire to do in and through your people and the church. So, Father, we just come today to bless you, to rejoice in you, to be encouraged by your spirit. So we thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence and your peace in every home. Touch every heart and every life today in Jesus' name. Everybody said. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hey, for the kids, you can go onto our Facebook page and there's a video on there for your kids to be uh, have activities while you're doing church. If you have a tablet or phones or something where they can be on computers, where they can be on. So we have that ministry there for the kids also. We're going to worship the Lord here. Why don't you in and enter in with us right there in your home. Bill and Lori, guys, welcome back. God bless you guys. Amen. Jesus. Here we go. Turned into wine Open the eyes of the blind There's no one like you There's none like you Into the darkness you shine Out of the ashes you rise There's no one like you Our God is greater, our God is stronger God, you are higher than any other Our God is healer, awesome in power Our God, our God Into the darkness you shine out of the ashes we rise There's no one like you There's none like you Our God is greater Our God is stronger God, you are higher than any other Our God is healer Awesome in power God is greater, our God is stronger, God 
bring it all to peace the storm surrounding me let it break at your name still call the sea to still the raging me to still every way at your name Jesus Jesus you make the darkness tremble Jesus Jesus you silence fear Jesus Jesus you make the darkness tremble Jesus Jesus Call these bones to live Call these lungs to sing once again I will praise Jesus, Jesus You make the darkness tremble Jesus, Jesus You silence fear Jesus, Jesus you make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus. Your name is a light that the shadows can't deny. Your name cannot be overcome. Your name is a darkness tremble Jesus Jesus silence fear Jesus Jesus you make the darkness tremble Jesus Jesus and your name is a light that the shadows can't
None like you None like you Faithful one Jesus There is none like you None like you Faithful one Jesus Ooh, Jesus, Jesus Thank you, Jesus Thank you, Jesus Father God, thank you There is none like you You are the faithful one you are so good and so faithful. And we rest today in the knowledge that you are our God. You are our great and loving Father. You are our source. You are the great I am. Father God, we thank you today that we are in your care. Lord, we thank you for today for the many things you are doing in, in our lives and in the lives of those around us in this community. Lord, we thank you that even through this season, Lord, that we've been in, people are resetting their lives. Lord, they're, they're hearing many for the first time the good news that there's a Savior who loves them. Some of them are coming back to you, turning back to you after wandering. Lord, many of us, Lord, know people who have responded Lord, and are thankful for the many ways you are working in people's lives. Lord, thank you. Lord, we pray for those that are coming to, into your kingdom, those that are coming to know you as their Lord and Savior, that they would not be forgotten, Lord, that they'll be uh, placed in communities, Lord, of Christ followers where they can learn and grow and be discipled. And Lord, you'll just, uh, Lord, bless and grow your church in however way you desire, Lord. You are a great God. We, we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you, Lord, right now in this season as, uh, Lord, um, challenge for businesses. Lord, as, and as businesses begin to open up, as we see, Lord, um, many, many places begin to open up in the days ahead, we pray, Lord, that, Lord, you will bring uh, hope and restoration and just a sense of your peace and provision into our lives, Lord. Thank you for those, uh, Lord, especially who are being challenged, our small business owners, many of them who, are, who have been waiting for this day to say it's time. Lord, help them, Lord, and, and the struggle to regain, Lord, what they've lost, Lord, to that you would just bless your people, Lord, that are out there and needing to just reopen the doors, Lord. Help them, Lord, and just bless them and give them your provision. Thank you for this amazing community you've placed us in of El Dorado County. We pray that your spirit would move. We pray that your spirit would do great and mighty things, Lord, as we trust in you. Lord, you are God. We love you today. Lord, Father, Father God, we pray for our missionary partners all around the world today. Lord, we lift them up to you. Lord, we, we lift up... Um, Sharwan and Riku as they serve you in India, Lord, and, and, and are reaching out to the poorest of the poor, Lord, to the most needy there. We pray that you would strengthen them, you'd protect them, you would provide for them. We praise you, Lord, for our other missionaries on the ground, many of them serving in very challenging places, and they've just been gotten more challenging because of the situation they find themselves in. Lord, just 
provide and meet every need. Thank you for your, the, the generosity of your church family here that have not forgotten our missionaries, Lord, and have given so that we can continue to partner with them, Lord. Thank you, God. Lord, we thank you for wisdom, for our state and government leaders. We praise you for, Lord, the leadership you have been have put in place, Lord. We pray for wisdom and guidance, Lord. We pray for clarity. We pray for unity. We pray for peace. We thank you, Lord. We love you today. We thank you that we can be in your presence right now. And we love you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said amen and amen. God is so good, isn't he? It's so good to have the the worship team here standing up with us today and uh, leading us in worship today. It's it's awesome. And if you joined us a little later, um, I'll just reiterate what Pastor said uh, when he opened up the meeting today that there uh, is a, a way for your kids to have church today. Um, get on the Facebook page, the church pay, uh, Facebook page, or the uh, website. It's on YouTube. Uh, we have some great uh, video clips for the kids that they can they can have church on the, your a device or an iPad or a TV uh, with you or in the other room. However you want to do it, but there's opportunity for our kids to to get connected as well. Um, there's lots of other ways to stay connected, and there's good news ahead that we're gonna. We're going to be opening the doors, and Pastor mentioned that. So just stay tuned. Um, be looking for the emails that come to you. We've been putting those out every week, twice a week. And so just stay tuned. Be, be um, looking for, for updates. And, and also just if you don't have, um, if you're not getting those and you want to get those, just send a, an email uh, to info at solidrockfaithcenter.com, info at solidrockfaithcenter.com, and let us know you want to be put on the email list, and we'll make sure that happens. Um, you know, I, I like to fish. I was just fishing yesterday, by the way. Beautiful weather up in the mountains. Uh, it was my birthday, so I took advantage of that to go up and uh, have some time to fish. I, um, I didn't come back with any fish, though, but I like to fish. And uh, when, when out there fishing, you know, there's something to be said about being in the right place at the right time, you know. And I've had times when I'm walking away from a fishing hole with a stringer full of fish, and, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, last week I did the same exact thing. The conditions were the same. I used the same thing. Everything was the same. And I caught nothing. And I th- I've thought about that many times. What's the difference? And there's something to be said about being in the right place at the right time. But the good news for us as believers is that we can be in the right, time, right place and the right time all the time as we follow Jesus. And Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So for the believer, every time and every place can be the right time and place. Um, but you know, when I think about provision, uh, fishing, I also think about provision. And um, this, I, I came across this uh, passage where Jesus, is, um, Jesus and his disciples are asked to, about paying the temple tax. And uh, Jesus brought it up to Peter and... Um, 
you know, they were being asked to pay the taxes. And so in Matthew 17, verse 27, Peter said, or Jesus said this to Peter. He said, but so that we may not cause offense, go to the lake and throw out your line and take the first fish you catch, open its mouth, and you will find a four drachma coin. Take it and give it to them for my tax and yours. Isn't that amazing that Jesus just totally blew, I'm sure just blew Peter out of the water, literally, as he was fishing and actually caught this fish, opened its mouth, and there was a coin. God's provision from unexpected sources. And, you know, I think this challenging season we've been in, we've, it's, if nothing else, it's been a, a season to, of learning to trust God in hard places, places where we need to see his provision, where we need to see him come through. And when Peter caught the fish, uh, or he, yeah, when he caught the fish with the coin in its mouth, it wasn't about being in the right place at the right time. It wasn't about location. It wasn't about all the conditions being just right. It was about his response and following the master's instructions. And when we are staying connected to the head, when we stay connected to Jesus Christ in relationship with him, we can be in the right place at the right time, ready and poised for a miracle. Peter knew where to go. He was a fisherman, right? He, he knew all, where all the hot spots were. He knew where all the great spots were. He didn't, have anybody, he didn't need anybody to tell him that. He needed help understanding that Jesus was his source. And we all need help from time to time being reminded that Jesus is our source. So provision from unexpected places is what God is really, really good at. He's good at that. And our lack is God's opportunity. So all that being said, I just want to say I'm learning that lesson. And I know many of you are out there as well, trusting God in these challenging times. And in the meantime, you're giving faithfully. Uh, we've, had, we've not had to stop anything except corporate gatherings, but we've, had, we've not had to stop anything or put on pause our missions program and what God is doing through the outreach of the, of the church. The gym is going to be open, opening back up because of your faithful giving and your generosity. So thank you for that. And uh, just a reminder, many ways to give. You can give online on the website. Uh, we have an app for that as well. Uh, you can also mail a check in, um, bring it by, call ahead, and if you want to bring a check in, you just need to call ahead and make sure we're here. Um, you, make sure if you want it to go to a particular ministry of the church or missions that you designate that. Uh, but God is providing for his people, and he's providing for you. Don't forget it. Let's continue to worship today.
I'm down on my knees again, surrendering, oh, surrendering. Find me here, Lord, as you draw me near. I'm desperate for you, desperate for you. I Seeing grace unfolds, I hunger in those. I hunger in those. With arms stretched wide, I know you hear my cry. Speak to me now. Speak to me.
Thank you, Lord, that we can have the desire to know you because you've made the way possible through your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, you prayed in the garden and you said, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God. Father, I thank you today that through the life and the sacrifice and the atonement of our Savior, your son, Jesus Christ, we can know you. And in knowing you, we have the assurance and the hope of life eternal, life with you for all of eternity. Father, we thank you for your grace, your mercy, and your kindness in our life. And we just want to bless you today and tell you that we give you praise and glory and honor for all things in our lives. In Jesus' name. Somebody said? Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, church, good to see everybody. Glad you are here with us this morning. And uh, I'm excited for uh, what we have to share with you today. And uh, thank you, worship team. So awesome to have you guys with us. Amen. So uh, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Praise God. We are truly blessed. Hallelujah. Need to do a reset here. And uh, cool. Awesome. And uh, so we're ready to get going. But let me just say uh, again that uh, next week we will be uh, having a, uh, a service here. We're following the El Dorado County guidelines. And uh, thankful we live in a, in a great county. Amen. And uh, that they are uh, realizing the circumstance and the situation. So we'll be, have everything in place and do all the things that we need to do. But we're glad that we can gather next week and uh, have fellowship again. Celebrate Mother's Day together, but also uh, have communion together next Sunday. So going to be a great day in the Lord. And then we're looking forward to reopening the Lord's Gym. Prior to reopening, we had ordered a new piece of equipment and that. And that got put on hold. And so they're delivering that this Thursday, and so we've repainted the whole gym, done all kinds of things, just by faith believing uh, for the good things on the other side, and uh, so praise the Lord, good stuff. I just want to say thank you for your giving. We've been getting updates from Sharwan and Rinku in India. Uh, if you watch the news this week, you saw that they were having the the Blues Angels and uh, the the Air Force uh, 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 jet fighter pilots, I forget them, but they're flying over, doing flyovers and thanking all of our uh, first responders and people that are helping in emergency services and that, and uh, the medical professional. But in India, they did a little different. They had a helicopter fly over, over their hospital there, and they dropped out uh, flower petals on them all. And so they were awesome. They had them out there. They had a whole bagpipe band out there and stuff. So Wednesday night, we'll have all that video for you and share that with you. But uh, also the food outreach and the things that you have helped us to be a part of in getting food into people's lives there. And uh, so it's just so amazing. So thank you for that. And uh, we truly, truly appreciate uh, uh, your love and support in that area. Um, and then on Wednesday night, we may be, uh, I'm, I may be doing, because this morning I'm going to uh, 
move on and we're going to talk a little bit about the second coming of the Lord today. Last week we talked a little bit about God's eternal purpose and bringing some clarity in that and what is God doing in the earth. But this morning we'll go into another area of this and a little bit further. Maybe after Mother's Day we'll finish up with another lesson just on the, the, the rapture of the church and that and how all this ties into everything and just the awareness that we need to have, the information and the awareness and the understanding that we need. But on Wednesday night one of these things that uh, I'll see a Pastor Tim can join me again, but we want to break down and talk a little bit about covenant uh, in this area, because if you don't understand covenant, you really won't understand the Bible or what God is doing in the earth. So did you bring your Bibles? Oh, you got them there? You don't even have to bring them. Do you have them there at your house? Are you ready to go? Hallelujah. Here we go. Let's make our declaration this morning. This is my Bible. I live by its truth. I walk in its light. I rest in its promises. I'm empowered by its love. I overcome by the faith produced from receiving this seed sown into my heart. Father, I thank you today that as we open the word, we thank you for an impartation of truth and clarity and understanding. I thank you, Holy Spirit, you are the helper and you are the teacher. So we're asking you to do that today. Come and be our helper. Help us to understand, bring clarity into our lives, and teach us the truth in Jesus' name. Somebody said, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, this morning as we get into this, what is God doing in the earth? And uh, we've been, this has just been our little theme that we've had in breaking this little mini-series down. And so this morning, we want to look at it from a different area. And so the first thought I want to give you this morning, as we go through this today, there's going to be a lot of slides that are going to be up. You're probably going to see more of the slides, and you're going to see me, and that'll be a lot easier on your eyes. Praise the Lord. So watch this. So listen to this first statement this morning. There are two words that we almost reconcile in our lives. And these two words are time and eternity. You live in time, but we're going to transition into eternity. We live in time, but we have the stamp of eternity upon our soul. And everyone will, and, and everyone will, and we will, I should have. Man, I should have reread my note. We will all transition from time into eternity. The question we must recon all reconcile is, where and how do I want to spend eternity? So you and I, all of us, have to reconcile those two terms, time and eternity. We are born into this parenthetical space of time with God, but we all come to an end in this life. Either the Lord's coming back or we're going to go to meet Him. And when that transition takes place, we step into into eternity. We step out of time into eternity. So when we're talking about what God is doing in the earth, it has to do with his eternal plan, and we are living in this in-between space between two eternities, eternity past and eternity future. And so God brings us to this transition, but we make the decision on where and how do I want to spend eternity. So here's this next statement. Life is filled with the unexpected suddenlies of transition from life to eternity. This whole virus thing came up and people have, this is an unexpected situation. And the unexpected circumstances of this situation means that even here in America right now, over 60,000 people have transitioned from time to eternity. When we talk about people dying and death, that's a transition from time into eternity. And that comes suddenly. People every day, there's car accidents, there's other situations, there's accidental deaths, there's, there, there's deaths and illnesses, there are all kinds of situations where people suddenly transition from time into eternity. The purpose of the church and the ministry is to preach the gospel 
and to prepare people for eternity. My number one job is to make sure you're ready for eternity and the coming of the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God, whether they go into it or they are here when it comes. So the purpose of the church, and I said the last couple of weeks, we want to do all the social things. We want to help with feeding people. We want to help with support. We want to help with counseling. We want to help with all the humanitarian and social issues that we can. But the primary need, uh, purpose of the church is not to be a social and humanitarian uh, uh, entity. It is to preach the gospel of the kingdom and prepare people to enter into eternity with God, not to miss out on his eternal purpose and plan for their life. And so for us, the purpose of scripture, God's word, is to reveal his purpose and plan to man. God is letting us in on what he is doing in the earth and why he is doing it. So important. We're going to recap that a little bit. I tried to show you that last week. But let me tell you this about prophecy as we're studying prophecy. Prophecy is a foretelling. And so in a foretelling, you're telling people in advance what is going to happen. That's what's so amazing about the Bible. When we read the Bible, we find God informing and letting everybody in on what is coming in advance. God has always been a fourth telling God, telling us in advance what is happening so that when it comes, nobody's supposed to be taken by surprise. So God makes sure that, he, that in order, as I said last week, everything God does is righteous and is just. And so in dealing with this, when God is going to judge the earth, he's showing people and when judgment is coming. Now remember, I'm just kind of throwing some recap in here, but we're in between two eternities and what has happened. And so we gave you last week, we'll recap in just a minute, about the fall of Satan and, and, and the, uh, the, the, the contamination, if you would, with his rebellion of heaven, with, with his fall and what that happened. And that in the process between eternity past and eternity future, God is actually purging heaven or redeeming heaven as part of that. And we're a part of that eternal plan. And so understanding that is so important. So God is foretelling us what is happening, what is going to come. That's why we have at the end of the book of Revelation, a new heaven and a new earth coming down and God letting us know that there is a day coming we have been foretold of the day coming that's what prophecy does it tells us in advance what is coming he also revealed how we fit into his eternal plan and purpose so look at this we've given this to you and i want you to hear it again from matthew chapter 4 jesus preached one message from the time that Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I want you to keep that in mind. That's what we're moving towards, the kingdom of heaven coming and that complete redemption. In verse 23, it says, Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogue, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. That's my responsibility as your pastor is to preach you the gospel of the kingdom and keep you forward focused so that you enter in and you're prepared for and you are warned about everything God has foretold us is going to come. Paul wrote to Titus and he said this, that we are to be resting in the hope of eternal life. Get that, resting in the hope of eternal life, life, life which will, with, with the Excuse me, life which the ever truthful God who cannot deceive, watch this, promised before the world or the ages of time began. 
So God made a promise before time began, before the creation of man, as we read it, that Jesus was slain before the foundation of the earth. So there was a plan that was in place before time began. And even this hope that we have and the life of eternal life we have with God was promised before the world or the ages of time began. When it comes to having correct understanding, it's imperative for us to filter everything through God's eternal purpose. If you want to have an orderly account, for everything begins with God in eternity, past, and ends with us, with Him. So powerful. Ends with us, with Him, in eternity future. So 2 Timothy, Paul writes this to Timothy in chapter 1 and verse 8 through 11. Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ before time began but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So what an amazing pastor. Paul is saying that this promise and this hope that we have, and that's what we live with and carry within our heart. So that when we're going through situations like this, when we hear these scriptures, they give us a reassurance and encouragement and a peace in God that we are in between eternity. And whatever happens here in time, when we transition out of time, we're entering into this amazing promise that God prepared even before time began, eternal life with him, Death has been abolished. So how do we face when calamities and trials and challenges come? We have a hope that cannot be diminished or taken away. Praise the Lord. And so we gave this to you last week, and I just want to just uh, show it to you for a moment before we dive completely into this. So we showed you eternity path, and in this area, we showed you eternity path. And then here we are in time, and then we have eternity future. And then we talked about God's eternal purpose in this area here. And in eternity past, we had Satan's fall, the rebellion. We have him cast down out of heaven, and we have heaven that's now been defiled. And so in God's eternal purpose between these two eternities, what God is doing is he is purging heaven of this defilement that took place, which is why we get to the end of time in the book of Revelation, and we have Satan finally being judged, we have heaven being redeemed, and worship purified and restored in heaven. So that's what we are part of, and that's what God is doing. But if we, we get so caught up, the world brings us down and shrinks our focus just into our little space of time, that we have here on the earth. And then we start filtering all of these circumstances in life through time instead of keeping things filtered with a proper perspective with an eternal focus. Paul said to this in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, he says, I charge you therefore before God. That's what Paul's telling Timothy. I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead 
at his appearing and his kingdom. So Jesus is going to appear again. His kingdom is coming with them. And he charges Timothy, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Now listen to what he says. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. So that's my responsibility as your pastor is to keep you focused on the right thing and keep you looking for and expecting the coming of his kingdom. So this morning, I want to talk to you a little bit about the second coming of Christ. Now, we hear a lot about, and and things get confused, and that's that area we go back to. It's so important when you study Scripture that there must be separation made for clarification. And then once you get separation and you have clarification, then you can bring truths back together for unification which produces the results of glorification, where we get the full result of the promise in that area. So the second coming of Christ talks about the the Lord coming at the end of the book of Revelation, chapter 19, all the way through the end there. And so the judgment, the battle of Armageddon, and the war with the nations, and the culmination of all things is the second coming of Christ and the coming of the millennial reign of Christ. And so in this area, it's important for us to understand, and this is called the imminent return of the Lord. There's a very important and vital part to this truth that when removed has a very damaging effect upon the life of the believer, and the devil knows that. That is the imminent return of the Lord. Or in other words, the Lord coming in a moment and at an hour that we think not. This truth causes us to walk in the fear of the Lord and holiness before God, so that we'll be ready and expecting His return at any moment. That's how we're supposed to live, and that's why the Bible writes that. And this is where people make a mistake when they read the Scripture, because we're reading Scripture that are over 2,000 years old, and people say, oh, it must have meant something else, and they start attributing uh, other things or taking away from, they start adding to or taking away from just what the Word of God says. But it's written in such a way that people wouldn't be given a time frame, but they would be given an expectancy. We're not supposed to live in a time frame. We're supposed to live with an expectant and a prepared life for God. If we're given a time frame, oh, there's yet 40 more years, there's yet 60 more years, then people cast off restraint. Yes, we do. So watch this. We need to live in that imminent moment. So the coming of the Lord is imminent. When it talks about the kingdom coming, even at that moment when the world and the tribulation, even though it's told us and we have an understanding of where it is, and even when you get down, the only time God gives us a time frame for sure is when we get to the the time of the great tribulation and the judgment of God upon the nations of this world, we are given days and years and, and a number that is concise from certain time, from this time to this time to this time we know when the middle of that is and we know that after that there's another 1260 days and so you walk through that and we know that it is seven years that God is going to be doing uh, a certain work on the earth in dealing with man's rejection of him as God so the coming of the Lord is imminent Matthew 24 read you a couple passages out of Matthew 24 and it says immediately after the tribulation of those days the sun will be darkened and the moon will give its light the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of heaven will be shaken then the sign of the son of man will appear in heaven 
And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. So we showed you that picture, the Son of Man coming, and he's coming with the saints are coming with him, and war is going on. I remember when we first started in ministry, there was a, a, a retired pastor who would come when we were in Bernie, lived in Bella Vista, and his name was Don B. Carlos. And he would come, and he every time he had preached, said, I'm believing in coming back with the Lord, and I'm riding on a great white horse, and he had just, I've got a big steed, he'd be, woo, riding my horse, he's excited about coming with the Lord and so in the but listen to verses 42 through 44 it says watch therefore for you do not know what hour the Lord is coming so even with all the signs that are given even with the foretelling of God men still will not know what day or what hour he is coming but know this that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. And so in that, understand that God is coming at an hour that we do not expect. Even though he's foretold it, there still is that element of the intimate return that is about to happen and should be expected to happen at any time. So before we go any further in this subject, there, there's some foundational issues that must be addressed. The most important aspect of eschatology is this, which is the study of things to come, is to rightly define and divide the word. I have to, I have to define things correctly, and I have to make the right separations and clarification. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, he said, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, let me just say to you this as a Christian. It is so important. Please don't delegate all responsibility to somebody else to teach you everything you need to know. I have responsibility to teach. I have an anointing to teach and to preach. But it's not my responsibility to just give you the truth. God has done an amazing thing. He's written his word. He's preserved it over centuries. Even though, as we've told you as we went through this, that there are over 50 nations in the world that ban it. And, and there's nations that have tried to destroy it. This Bible, God's word, has been preserved and prepared in such a way that he could get his word into every individual's life. We work in right now, there, there's things that are going on, Fire Bible through the Assemblies of God and Wycliffe Bible Translators, so many are working to translate the Bible into every language, to get the scriptures into every language, because when this word gets into people's heart, it transforms their life. But it's so important that you study to show yourself approved. When it comes to Bible prophecy like this, the things that I'm telling you, there'll be people who are going to tell you something from a different perspective because depending upon the things I'm going to show you here today, people have different perspectives depending upon how they divide the word and how they understand different aspects of the word. And so you be a student of the word. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, not just have, well, I'm glad pastor studies the word I don't know how to do that you know how I got to know everything I know I just spent some time in the book hallelujah so spend some time in the book praise the Lord so watch that again study to show uh, the amplified says it like this study and do your best let me say that to you you do your best 
to know the truth of God's word. To present yourself to God approved, a workman tested by trial, who has no reason to be ashamed. Listen to this. Accurately handling and skillfully teaching the word of God. So you should be able to do that. That's what being disciple makers is all about. Teaching others how to live a godly life before him. Praise the Lord. So look at this. When we study the word, we must remember that God reveals the end from the beginning. All of humanity will end up at the back of the book. We're all going to end up at the end of this book called the Bible, the word of God. Sometimes it's important to go to the end and then work our way backwards. You go to the end and work your way back to the beginning. That's the way God reveals things to us. From the end back to the beginning. It's a complete revelation. Again, prophecy is a foretelling. God foretells it. And then he comes back to the place where we are. And then we walk towards what he has told us would be coming to pass. You see, Christ and the church are for the individual. Every individual will be judged for how they have accepted Christ. Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11, that in that day every knee shall confess and every, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Praise God. So now, but as a nation, Israel is promised the throne of David. So I want you to keep there. We're going to talk about the church in Israel here just for a moment. As the nation, Israel is promised the throne of David. And I believe that Scripture teaches us in Romans 11 that they will have a literal day of atonement that is yet to be fulfilled. Israel is looking and waiting for the day of atonement, their literal day of atonement. Why do they want the, the temple to be rebuilt? Why is it so important that we hear about prophecy and we hear about end times, the rebuilding of the temple, so that the sacrifices can again be offered? Because Israel is still living, the, the, the Jewish people, the Orthodox Jews, are still living with an Old Testament uh, a law mentality, and in that are the sacrifices. And unless there is a temple, the sacrifices can't be offered. And on those things, they're... they're then on, there's one of the sacrifices, and one of the feasts is the Day of Atonement. And so that has yet to be literally fulfilled for them. And at Christ returns, I believe that's going to happen. So when we read the Word of God to prove and substantiate our opinion, instead of reading the Word to see if our opinion is validated by the Word, we move into error. Let me say it like this. People all the time get an idea and then they go to the Bible to prove their idea, to substantiate their idea, not to see if their idea is even in the Bible. There are lots of thoughts. You can go, oh, that's a good thought. Where'd you get that thought? Well, I think this, and then you can go because you can make Scripture say anything you want it to say. And people say, how come there's so many different doctrines? How come there's so many different denominations and churches? Because people come up with ideas, they come up with concepts, and then they go to Scripture to prove and substantiate their thought, their concept, not to see if their concept is true according to the Word. And when we do that, our mis and, and we make mistakes. Now, I'm going to make a statement here. Our misunderstanding on Israel will be the downfall of America if we are not careful. If we don't understand, every nation of the world has been judged on how they dealt with Israel. If nations do not have a right interaction and relationship with Israel, it does not go well for those nations. So that is so important for you to understand. So 
Also, I want to declare this to you. We are not Israel. We are the church. The body of Christ, the bride. And this is what we are talking about. When I'm talking about the coming and, and, and the Lord and the rapture of the church, we are the church. That, that's where we are. I'm going to illustrate it to you here in just a moment. But we need to keep this distinction. We're talking about separation for clarification. A couple weeks ago, I gave you the train track and what God is doing, Israel and the church. The two train, the two tracks uh, of the, the, the two train tracks that God's purpose rides upon. This is not a monorail. This is the two sets of train track. And we don't want to disrail the train. So we are not Israel. We are the church, the body, and the bride. And this is what we're talking about. It is very important that we rightly define the church and its purpose. Most of what is taught today is a blended theology of Christianity and Judaism together. We, we just start blurring the lines and start blending too much together. It's good to understand Jewish culture. It's good to understand all the traditions and all the symbolism. But Old Testament is a type and a shadow. The New Testament is the fulfillment. Jesus came to fulfill all things, not to sustain all things. So we can go back and we can study things and we can draw from things, but too many times we start blending and blurring the lines together too much and we're trying to be too, uh, just, I'll just leave it at that for right now. So, in the, so we want to be careful that we don't get into that blended theme of Christianity and Judaism. And that's what Paul warned the church at, at Galatia about. Who's bewitched you? Who's bringing you back into these areas and stuff? Understand the path. All those things were written for our example. But Jesus has fulfilled that. We are living under, the church is under a new covenant. We're grafted into the promises. And so there's so many areas that we are grafted in. We're the wild branch grafted into the natural root. But we're grafted into the promises, not into the ritual. Praise the Lord. So, or the church in Israel. So Christianity and, and Judaism. Or of the church in Israel. Or in some theological camp, we even have the whole replacement theology that Israel has now been replaced by the church. Yet the Word of God makes it very clear, a very clear distinction between the two and clearly defines their purpose in God's eternal purpose and plan. So let me just show you this little graph here this morning that may help. And I made my mouth a little bigger so you can follow me today, praise the Lord. And uh, Pastor Sue said last week, he said, I was following you, but we couldn't see anything you were moving on there. So hopefully you can see it this way. So here's Judaism and Christianity and a little understanding of how it worked prior to the coming of Christ in that we had the Jewish age, which was under the law. And they observed Passover every year and that and all the legalism and all their rituals and all their standards that are written in the Old Testament. I'm reading my Bible through. I'm going through Leviticus and Numbers and that area right now. And uh, so I'm reading the Pentateuch of the Old Testament in that area. And then what we have is that we have the Lord coming on and, and fulfilling and Calvary taking place on the Passover. So he becomes the Passover lamb for our sacrifice. And then he's with us and then he ascends into heaven. And then we have the, the descending on the day of Pentecost, the, the coming of the Holy Spirit. And so through the coming of the Holy Spirit, then for the next 40 years, through the destruction of the temple, <coughs> excuse me, leading up to the destruction of the temple in uh, 70 A.D., and that, then we have this transition period there, 
And during that time, we have the Holy Spirit, we have ministries, uh, demons are being cast out, we're prophesying, speaking in new tongues, and so all the promise of walking in the power of God in this area. And then with that, we, 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 there's a transition into, this is not a set time here of the 40 years, but the church begins to transition out and how God is working. And so we've transitioned from the age of Judaism into how God is dealing with people. And the whole world right now is living in the Christian age or the age of the church or the dispensation of grace. Under here, God was dealing with people according to law. The rituals, you had to keep the law. Now, God is dealing with people through grace. And so this is the church age, and this is the time of Christianity, and this takes place until the church is taken out of the world, and then the tribulation begins. So last week I gave you this one. Let's go back through this, and this takes us from Genesis to eternity. And so here in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, we have the creation of man. In Genesis 3, we have the fall of mankind. And then we get to Genesis 12, and God calls out Abraham, and we have the beginning or the birth of the nation of Israel, and God calls his chosen people out of Israel, and this is where he begins to separate his people from the nations of this world and in this area. And then we have Israel going through this whole time, and then they do what most Christians do. They just got bored with living for God. And they got more interested in the world than they stayed interested with God. And so they begin to fall away. They begin to become complacent. They begin to interact and intertwine with all the religious culture. Pastor Tim and I on Wednesday night talking about the renewing of our minds in that area. And don't be so conformed to this world that you just fit in without even thinking. And so this all takes place until we come to Jesus' birth, his life, his death, his resurrection. And then we know, as we just saw at the end of that, we have his ascension where he is taken up into heaven with the promise of his return. The angels said to Jesus, uh, to the disciples on that day, why are you looking up so intently? The same Jesus is going to come back in the same manner in the cloud, and that for the church or for the redeemed. And so then we have the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father. And so then we're living through this whole age of dealing of the church age that we just showed you. And then in the middle of this, something amazing happens. In 1948, we're living in this time where the nation of Israel is restored and the land is restored to Israel. And so exciting what President Trump has done in, in reestablishing Jerusalem as a capital, moving our embassy there as a signet of, of recognition that Jerusalem is the capital of Israel, not of two states. And uh, so in this area, so here we are in the church age, in the middle of the church age here, here we have this reestablishment of the nation of Israel and that and the, the exile and a return from around the world, the Exodus 2, if you would, taking place. But then as we get towards the end, there's an event that's going to come that is called the rapture of the church. And that's where the church is taken out. And we begin this seven-year period called the Great Tribulation. And I didn't have a lot of time to put it in today, but this is called the Day of God's Wrath. The day of the Lord and the coming and that great day and that. And so in this area, we read it, uh, I think, last week that the day of his wrath has come. And, and uh, um, 
with Satan being cast down, Revelation 12, and he's angry and his wrath has come upon the earth. So during this time in the book of Revelation, there's things that are taking place on the earth that hasn't happened yet. And so the day of the Lord is culminating in this area. This is also, when you go down here, this is what is called Daniel's 70th week. And so we're, we're in the fulfillment of the first 69 weeks. And then this is the beginning of the 70th week with Daniel. And then at the end of this time, we get to the end of the book of Revelation. And you have the return of Christ coming down. And so this is the second coming that we've been talking about this morning. Next week, we'll go over, or after Mother's Day, we'll come back and go over the rapture of the church. But these are two separate returns. In both of these, the rapture of the church and the return of the Lord, Jesus comes back. In the rapture of the church, Jesus comes back to the cloud. First Thessalonians and says we're caught up to meet him in the air. He comes back, the trump of the Lord, and the church is caught up to meet him and in the air. And then there's a whole host of things that take place in heaven during this time while these things are taking place on the earth. And in this area. And then if we read and took time to go through the whole book of Revelation, we'd find that everything that is happening here is centered around Jerusalem. And it's centered around Jewish law and restrictions and things that are happening. And none of it has to do with the church in that area. So give me a big overview here this morning. But then we come to the return of Christ and he comes. And then we have the millennial reign of Christ. And the thousand-year reign of Christ. And then at the end of this reign, we have Satan's last end. And the devil is released after this thousand years to deceive the nations again. And then we end with the great white throne of judgment and everything. And the devil finally being cast and everybody being cast. The book's open. This is called the second death. And this is where people are sent to hell for all of eternity. And so my job is to keep you out of here. I have a good word for you. Don't go to hell. Choose not. It's a choice, guys. There will be nobody in hell who didn't choose to go there, who wasn't foretold, who wasn't forewarned, and didn't have an opportunity to escape. So watch it. And then we end with the new heavens and a new earth coming down. Here's a little more detailed kind of graph of it by Clarence Larkin, if we could. So the first advent of Christ was his coming to the earth from heaven. He came to earth. We have the virgin birth. He is here. And then he ascends back to heaven and and there. And then the whole church age takes place. And this is where we are today. We're at the church age. And and so what we share of is we share of next week, we're going to have communion. And we're going to take of the table of the Lord. And listen to what it says. As often as you will, watch it. As often as you eat this bread bread and drink this cup you do show the Lord's death till he comes so the 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 communion that we share is not just remembering the sacrifice and the blood of the Lord but it's also reminding us that he is coming again and we're looking for his coming and for our being joined to him and so we have the the translation the rapture of the saint going up and so at this place in heaven you and I this is where the Bible tells us and Paul tells us that as believers we'll all stand before the Lord and give an account of the works done in this life and so we go to the Bema seat of God the judgment seat of God the church and the believers do not 
not go. Let me go back over here. This here, the great white throne of judgment, we don't go there. We don't stand before the great white throne of judgment. We go before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account. And this is where the Bible says our works, if we built upon the foundation of Christ with precious jewels and stone and such thing, then our works will be tried by fire and we have a reward there. That's where Paul says, in that day there's a reward laid up for me, a crown of righteousness which does not fade away. And so this is where judgment for the believer and the reward for how we've lived and conducted our life. When Jesus said, lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. So when you get there, you have something speaking on your behalf. All this takes place there. We have the grave down here. This is where the dead in Christ rise first and we follow them. We meet them in the air. And then the world again is going to go through the tribulation. And then the second coming of the Lord that we're kind of revealing just a little overview today is where the Lord comes back, his eternal throne of glory in that area. So here's our question that I want to give you this morning. Look at these two questions. Two questions must be asked. What is God's purpose for Israel and what is God's purpose for the church? And uh, I, I just want to say this and interject this right here. I know I'm throwing a lot of information at you. And you have to make sure you don't get so conformed to this world that you get desensitized and, and, and you don't have an appetite to learn anymore. When the Bible says study to show yourself approved, as we read, Paul gives that exhortation. we have to become a student. <clears throat> you know what? You can't go to college and get a master's degree by just listening to a four-minute lecture once a week, a 15-minute, 30-minute lecture once a week. You're not going to get a, a, a lecturette at college and get a master's degree or a doctorate. If you want to have a degree, if you, if you want to have a level of knowledge and understanding and expertise in an area, you have to study. And God's people need to be students of the Word. And we have to develop, especially in this day and this hour. If anything teaches us as we're going through this crisis with this virus and everything going on, is that we need to be students of the truth. And we need to move from being lazy back into being hungry. Praise the Lord. I love you. God bless you. Amen. So watch it. So what's God's purpose for Israel? And what is God's purpose for the church? If we get these two wrong, everything else that follows will be wrong. If you confuse Israel and the church, everything after that that follows is going to be wrong. So let me give you this. Watch this. Israel is God's nation. Jesus is God's man. You need to understand that. Israel is God's nation. Jesus is God's man. God had a plan for the nation of Israel, and God had a plan for Jesus. And Christ came through Abraham, through Israel, <coughs> excuse me, as a redeemer. And so everything in before time began, this is whole plan. Israel is to the nation. Jesus is to the individual. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 5 and 6 is there. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. So watch this. God will judge the nations of the world through Israel. When you read the book of Revelation, friends, and you go through, and you, you don't have to understand what about this, what does this mean, what's the mark, what's this. Just watch who, is, who the interaction is between. It's not between God and individuals. Individuals are being affected by what's going on, but it's between God and nations. 
It all ends up with nations and, and a national war. If you would, Armageddon is the nations of the world coming out against God and God having war with the nations, not individuals, war with the nation. So God will judge all the nations of the world through Israel and God will judge every man through Christ. Philippians 2, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is is Lord. As I said last week, what God does is righteous and just. Nobody, God is not defending himself. He's going to deal with nations on how they dealt with Israel, and he's going to judge individuals on how they dealt with Christ. Not how they received him personally, but how they received and responded with Israel and with Christ. Every promise, we need to understand this, look back at this, every promise to Israel is as a nation on earth. What's Israel want? They want their throne. They want their nation. They want their king. They, they, they want their land. Everything is a earthly promise. Every promise in Christ is personal and heavenly. So all of our hope. But I'm like this. Stay here. I don't care. Hang out. Enjoy yourself. If you want a, a inheritance here, do all this stuff and that. I love it when the JWs come to my door and they go, well, the meek are inherit the earth. I said, you can have this place. I'm going to a new heavens and a new earth. Amen. Amen. Just, the, the, heaven's better than this. Praise the Lord. Amen. But every promise in Christ is personal and heavenly. So what? Every prophetic word to Israel is as a nation and is tied to the earth. Every prophetic word to Israel, hear this is as a nation, not to individuals, as a nation. In that prophetic promise, there are blessings included in the prophetic promise. But the promise is national. It is to all people as one in, if you would, in Abraham. In Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He refers, ye sons of Jacob, ye sons of Abraham. And so he refers to them as one man, but a, a collective one man as a nation. And so the individuals receive the promise, but it's given every promises to them as a nation. Watch it. The same thing happens to us in Christ. Every promise is given to us in Christ as Christ the man, the individual man, Christ Jesus. But every, and, and so, and we are connected in there and we're partakers of that as individuals in Christ. But that's an individual promise and we receive it individually. So every prophetic word to the church is tied to Christ in heaven. Israel is earthly. And the church is heavenly. You need to keep those two distinctions in understanding that Israel is earthly and the Jesus and his church is heavenly. So let me give you a couple of scriptures here to just to show who we are. First Peter 2 verses 9 and 10 says the church is a holy nation, a royal priesthood. Galatians 3 declares to us that the church is made up from every tribe and tongue. It is neither Jew nor Greek and has no national identity. From every tribe, every tongue, every kindred, everywhere, the church has no individual national identity. Our identity is all men are one in Christ. We are the body of Christ. He is the head. So it is a one-man identity, not a national identity. It is citizens, it's citizens and members of a kingdom that is not of this world. Jesus said that, that my kingdom and my people is not of this world in John 18, 36. Colossians 1 and verse 13, Paul declares that we have been delivered out of darkness and translated into the kingdom of his son. 
And then also that we are not of this world. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. Praise the Lord. So the church has nothing to do with this world. It has no national identity, and we are part of a kingdom, not a part of an earthly nation. Praise the Lord. So the church age is this, from the time of Pentecost to the rapture. And it covers the time period when the church, or believers in Christ, is on the earth. Scripture makes a distinction between the nation of Israel and the church. The church age will end with the rapture. But not replacement theology of the church replacing Israel's role in Scripture. So what is meant by that is that the church age, which is where we end in this dispensation of grace. And even watch this, even in grace, there's not a lot of grace in the, in a way to escape and all that stuff when you get into the book of um, of revelation into the great tribulation israel is covered and the 144,000 are sealed but during that time you're not saved by grace you're saved by not taking by being a martyr the saints under the altar are the martyrs from the tribulation period and that's the same thing that people do people go to revelation 7 and they bring the saints out under the altar who are before the throne we are not before the throne we're seated with christ on his throne in heavenly places we are joint heirs with him we rule and reign with him we don't serve before the throne so there, that's what i'm saying there's distinctions there and important to understand and so the tribulation saint they are martyred during that time and for their faith and unwillingness to comply to what the, what the Antichrist is imposing in the earth. So we're not replacing Israel with the church. So let me show it to you now again. Let me just walk through this one more time as we get ready to close. So biblical events timeline is this. The first coming of Christ in the church age. Then we have the rapture of the church, the great tribulation. Then as we're talking about today, the second coming of Christ that needs to be understood. This comes at the end of the tribulation. Then you have the millennial reign of Christ. And then eternity takes over. And that's where we live. We are living, my friend, between two eternities. Praise the Lord. So let me give it to you, these last few areas. The church is mentioned 79 times and only in the New Testament. It is the ecclesia. It is the calling out. It is especially a religious congregation. That's what we are, whether it's a Jewish synagogue or a Christian community of, of members on earth or saints in heaven. So that's what we are. We are the called out ones. Hallelujah. Think about that. It is the calling out. Called out of what? Called out of darkness into light. Called out of this world into his kingdom. That's who we are. Praise the Lord. So where does this leave us today if the worship team will come back? Where does this, that's nice to be able to say that. If the worship team will come back. Hallelujah. So watch this. So where does this leave us today? The day of the Lord was to be preached as being at hand. And to be an inspiration for accepting Christ today. For there's no promise of tomorrow. Let me just pause right here and tell you this. There's no promise of tomorrow. I wonder how many people thought that they would have a tomorrow. Think about it like this. There are 60-some thousand people who thought they would have a tomorrow. They never thought that whatever they were going with, and even though many people, the majority of people who have passed away as a result of this virus had had pre-existing conditions, nobody thought those conditions would suddenly end their life at this time. But the complications of a virus with those pre-existing conditions suddenly ended a lot of people's lives unexpectedly. But no matter what it is, I, I, I'm always taken aback by the suddenlies 
of the end of time and the transition of eternity. Where there's accidental deaths and, and tragedies and things that happen all the time. It happens with, with, with natural disasters and hurricanes and floods and, and, and all kinds of the earthquakes and everything that happens that take lives and that suddenly. And, but there's no promise of tomorrow. Everybody that, when we go back to 9-11 and those things that happened, everybody that went to work on 9-11 was not expecting not to go home. And so that day, over 3,000 people suddenly lost their life. The question was, were they prepared to enter into eternity? And that's my job, my friend, is to challenge you. I love you. I want to be your friend. I want to have a hamburger with you when we don't have to drive through and eat burger sauce all over our car. Amen. But I want to get their table dirty, not my car dirty. Hallelujah. Anyway, but, but in that area, so but I love you, but, but my goal is not just to be your friend. My goal is to make sure you get to heaven and to make sure that you enter into eternity with God and receive his promise. So look at this last thought. God has a timeline that's being fulfilled. It's always been that he could come at any moment. Paul says this, 1 Corinthians 15. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trump will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Now we had a dear couple that was with us for the last season of their life in our church. Frank and Dean Graber were a dear couple in our church. They came within a few weeks of us opening our church. And they remained in our church till they both went home to be with the Lord. And Dean always, she didn't want to pass. She wanted to go in the rapture. She was believing that for that, be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. And I'm sharing that because that's the way we're supposed to live, just expecting, longing for, and waiting. The Bible says that he's coming back for those who love his appearing. Do you love the thought of Jesus appearing? And us being, I I don't know about you, you go to any uh, amusement park, this would be the greatest thrill ride of all. They, They always show you those pictures, things spinning around, doing all that stuff, and they go, would you ride that ride? I go, yeah, that'd be cool. I remember we went to Great America one time and they had that bungee thing where they pull you way back up and then they let you go. So it was a three-person thing. And, and I said, hey, guys. So I got two guys to go with me. I bought Sean and Mr. Thompson that time. I said, I'll pay if you guys will go with me. So we got up there and this is what happened. They had it and Sean was on the outside. He had the rip cord. So they pull us back. So you're on that thing and you're being pulled up. So you're in a situation where you know at any moment this thing's going to let loose. And so you're there and you go, ah. And so you don't know. But so that guy on the outside, they get to pull the cord. So Sean's on the outside. He gets it. So we're up there. We're locked in position. And then all of a sudden it just goes, whoa, and you just go flying down and that, and you go, whoa, like that. I mean, I'm ready. For, I'm, that, that's the rapture. Amen. So we're locked in position, and the Lord has the ripcord. Amen. And at any moment, that's how we're supposed to live. That's what Paul said. We're changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye, instantly, there's a transition that's going to come. That's so exciting. Watch this. 2 Corinthians 6, verses 1 and 2 says, We then as workers together with him also plead with you. I'm pleading with you today. Not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, In an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. 
Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Today is the day to make sure you're ready to enter into eternity. All I'm doing is giving you an overview of what God has foretold is going to happen so that you would know how to respond and how to be prepared. Praise the Lord. One thing I've learned in this current day and under these current circumstances is that everything can change in a moment on a global scale. 185 nations affected by this. And the reality of what Scripture declares of global events is not just religious hype, but it's true. People are realizing. I've never heard so much talk about anything. Is this the end? Is this the coming? Is this that? Is this, what is this? All that stuff. So I've been teaching this lesson to help us. But what we've just learned is that a suddenly can come that can impact the world. And that's what the Bible tells us. There's some suddenlies on the horizon. And we need to live to be prepared. Look at what they're saying about this fire. We should have been prepared. We should have been prepared. You can never be prepared. I mean, completely prepared for every suddenly. You can't predict every virus, can't predict every catastrophe, all this stuff. We have tornado storm warnings and all these things, advanced warning things. We try to predict when the earthquakes are coming. But everything comes as a suddenly. The only thing you can do is personally be right with God and be ready. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe on him would not perish, but have here an everlasting life. Praise the Lord. So my question, are you ready for the kingdom? The Lord was to return right now. Are you ready to meet him? That's the message of the gospel from the beginning. Here's four things you can do. What do I need to do to be ready? Walk through these with me. First of all, repent. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our, of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Are you a Christian today? Are you lukewarm? Are you casual? Do you need to repent of where you are with God? Secondly, confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and call upon his name. All you have to do to be saved is call upon the name of the Lord. Say, Father, I believe that you gave your son. I believe that he died for me. I believe he rose again on the third day. I believe his blood covers and washes away my sin. I confess and accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Father, for saving me in Jesus' name. You just have to pray a simple prayer of confession of faith in Christ. And the Bible says when you call upon his name that you are saved. Thirdly, be water baptized. Water baptism is so important because I'm identifying I'm dying to the world and I'm being raised in newness of life and live with faith towards God. Turn around and live towards God. Don't get saved and then go back and say, well, that's my insurance policy. Salvation is not an insurance policy. It's a life transformation. Praise the Lord. And number four, keep your wick trimmed and your lamp filled with oil, living prepared for and expecting his return live ready my friend let's pray together heavenly father i thank you today and lord i pray for each and every one that's been viewing today each and every one that's going to see this video when we post this tomorrow father i pray for every person that hears this message holy spirit i pray that you would touch their hearts that you would move upon them that every life father would say yes to you that every person that hears this message would make the choice
to say yes to you. To accept your love and your grace and your forgiveness and your salvation that you've made available for them through your son, Jesus Christ. That every person would choose to live expecting and looking for your return. That a slothfulness and a casual attitude toward your return would be replaced by an excitement, anticipation, and an expectancy to see you come. Lord, that every person would be ready to transition from time into all eternity with you and to partake of what you've prepared. Now, Father, I pray your blessing over them. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask the worship team to lead us in this song. Let's just worship God for a moment, and we'll come back and say goodbye. Go ahead, guys. Thank you. Down on my knees again, surrendering all, surrendering all. Find me here, Lord, as you draw me near. I'm desperate for you. Desperate for you, I surrender, I surrender, I want to know you more, I want to know you more, I surrender. Surrender. I want to know.
Father, that's our prayer. Have your way in our lives. We say yes to you. We humble ourselves. We surrender our lives to you. Believing that your plan is the best choice we could make. To say yes. To follow your plan. To allow you to fulfill your purpose through our life. Releases in us and provides for us the best life we can live. Father, we believe in your goodness. We abide in your grace. And we're surrounded by your love. Father, I pray your blessing over your people. May hearts say yes to you wholeheartedly. In Jesus' name. Lord, let your healing power, your peace, your provision, and your protection be upon your people. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hey, we'll be here Wednesday night again for Wednesday Night Live. Next Sunday, if you're part of our church, you'll be getting an email. If we have your email, if Pastor Tim said, if we don't have your email, send it to us at info at solidrockfacecenter.com if you want to be on our update and that. So make sure if you haven't been getting our email update, then please uh, get your email to us so we can keep you posted. We love you. Again, thank you for your faithful support in helping the ministry and all that we're trying to do through this season. We love you dearly. Have a blessed afternoon, and we will see you on Wednesday night. God bless you.